The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Why did he use that word? God goes to extreme measures to bring the loss to himself. The greatest gift you will ever give this world is your intimacy with God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all three inside of me. I've got the power right now. I think what Jesus really wants is people to go. I want to be the answer to Jesus' prayer request. Welcome to the Fuel for the Harvest podcast. When this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, then shall the end come. Hey everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of Fuel for the Harvest. This is Nathan. And this is Charlie. We're your host for today. And uh, we're diving into the topic of discipleship or disciple making. We're not exactly fulfilling what Jesus said when he said, go make disciples. Because I think we have a pattern that we're following, especially in the West. uh, and, And we're like, oh, I know what discipleship is, but is it really? Is it actually what Jesus set out for us to do? Absolutely. It's a great question, and I think it's an important question for us to ask because, first of all, Jesus made disciples, right? So that's like an important thing if we're going to follow Jesus and yep. follow his commands. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? So we've got the Great Commission. We've got Jesus' example. There's a lot of reason to talk deeply about discipleship. Absolutely. So I think let's start with what are we seeing right now being fulfilled? And I think, yes, you could say it's not happening. Like nobody's making disciples. Like it's not happening. And I think, wait, uh, what do you mean by, I don't, I think your your brain is moving faster than your mouth. I think uh, you could start off by saying the high majority of people are not making disciples. Okay. Period. It's just not happening. Sure. Whether just straight up lack of dis lack of obedience. I don't care. I don't want to do it or ignorance. I'm, I'm not, didn't realize I was supposed to or had to. Right. Or a lack of equipping. I don't know how. Right. There's, there could be a variety of reasons. Majority aren't doing it. But for those that we would say are doing it, I would say the most majority, the the greatest majority, the the greatest examples we see, what does it look like? What in your life, Nate, I I think if you've visibly seen people when you grew up in church, I'll speak for myself first. Uh, I saw people taking someone younger out to coffee once oh, a week. You're, you're asking what, what? What have you what, seen? What have I seen people do? Yeah, so I'd see someone take somebody out to coffee once a week, read half a chapter of the Bible, and say, did you sin this week? Mm. And then say, okay, I'll pray for you. And then do it again next week. Sure. And do it again next week. Sure. And do it again next week and say, well... I think this passage means dot, dot, dot. And then the other person say, well, I think it means this. And to me, it means this. And that's about it. They would talk intellectually about what they thought a passage meant. Um, Maybe it would go a little deeper. I'm not going to say nobody's doing that. But, oh, well, I think God is saying this to me in it. Some people would take it a little deeper, which is good. Um, But the high majority of those who are engaging in Jesus's mission of making disciples and what we would call discipleship in the modern church of the West, I feel most people say that's what it is. Sure. And honestly, uh, in the church I grew up in, I didn't even see that kind of thing happening. Usually what I saw was, hey, you showed up to church, so you're being discipled, like that kind of mentality. Did they actually say that or that's just... uh, That was the mentality. I mean, there there was no one actively 
discipling in any other method. Yeah. Like there were, there was no older men going to younger men and saying, Hey, like, let's, uh, let's do it. Let me train you how to follow right. G- like to any degree, whether that's at a coffee shop or something more than that or, or something a small less classroom. Than that. Or yeah. Like it exclusively happened on a Sunday morning or in the context of the nuclear family. Like, okay. well, your parents should <clears throat> be discipling you how to follow Jesus. So, uh, thankfully I had a dad who loved Jesus yeah. <laughs> and a mom who loved Jesus. So that worked out well for me, but I didn't see anything else really. So is that discipleship? I mean, could you consider the church gathering the discipleship potentially? Yeah. I mean, it's a good question. We should probably define what we mean by discipleship for the sake of everybody well, well, listening. I think we can get there, Yeah, but I, I'm just thinking, what have we culturally, historically viewed it in our context of I think there there I think that there's a portion of the population in the west of Christians who would say that Sunday mornings is discipleship. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I I recently saw some post or quote or something um you know how people say who discipled you and uh most people will give the name of a mentor that they've had and sure. I remember uh a guy named Caleb who does a lot of mission stuff around the world would say, oh, the Maasai tribe discipled me mm. uh, because he felt so impacted by their way of life, being warriors and meeting well, people who were willing to risk being beaten to proclaim the gospel to villages. Yeah, I remember him uh, telling a story <clears throat> about like all they took with them as Christian evangelists in, yeah. in from that tribe to that tribe. So like a Maasai Christian evangelist was a a Bible in a Ziploc bag and that's right. it. And they just trusted God for everything else along the way. Yeah. 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 Which is incredible. But at the same time, it's like, well, before they were a Christian, they would have just taken like a spear and trusted <laughs> that they'd find whatever in the bush anyway. So sure. yes, very strong faith comparatively to many of us. Yeah. But uh, also they were going to find food and stuff in the bush. It wasn't the end of the world to trust that there would be provision and God did provide for them incredibly. Yeah. But all the, then, then there are no, no significant need to undermine. No, 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 the, no, no. Yeah. Uh, they have incredible faith. Yeah. Absolutely. They're yeah. risking being beaten to proclaim Jesus and going to a new village where they don't have family. Right. That's and, a big deal. Yeah, of course. Um, then there would be those, like I saw this post the other day, I was discipled by the church. Hmm. Um, the church discipled me like it was a whole like the preaching, the Bible studies, the community, what I learned from other people in my church. And, Sunday school. Uh, all of the above. Yeah. Everything that's encompassed with church that discipled me mm. like, OK, not a bad answer. I think that that could be the case. Um, but is that ultimately how it's supposed to be? Right. Is the question, I think. And uh, there's all sorts of opinions and I think definitions on the topic as well. But if you boil it down most basically, uh, I prefer the word disciple making over discipleship. Sure. I, it might be semantical. Semantical. (laughs) It could be a matter of semantics. I'm pretty sure that's a word. If not, I I should go trademark uh, it. Semantics. Yes. Semantical. Um, it might be a semantical issue. Uh, so, (laughs) Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, um, why disciple making versus discipleship? I think the connotation is slightly 
more emphasized in disciple making sure. of where it should be. Like we so, are to go and make disciples versus discipleship. It's this thing that I well, involve myself I, I, in. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> but I think that a lot of Christians who hear the word discipleship would think about the process of making disciples. I would be one of them. Right. Like those two words are the same thing to if, me. It could be, although I think it's more easy to fall into old patterns that have been given to us when we say discipleship than disciple making. Like, I'm going to go do disciple making well, or I'm going to go do discipleship. If I say I'm going to go do discipleship again, I think it could end up being I meet with somebody and have coffee for the rest of my life for once a week and I've fulfilled the mission. Sure. Versus disciple making is like, oh, there's something a little bit more on the edge about that that I have to go do. Right. Okay. So we're eight minutes into this episode and we've rambled on a little bit about what is discipleship. I think at, or what is our <clears throat> perception of discipleship? I think at this point it would be pertinent for us to say like, so why are we even talking about this subject? Yeah. I think it makes all the difference because I believe as a whole, we have failed to fulfill what Jesus sent us to do. Right. And I would agree with you. I think that all you have to do is take one look at the church in the West and really the church globally, and it's easy to come to the conclusion that perhaps we did something wrong if if students are leaving the churches in churches in droves, like droves upon yeah. droves upon like if if we're seeing people who claim to follow Jesus not following Jesus even to the smallest <clears throat> degree. Like there we've probably done something incredibly wrong. Yeah. And so I think if you want to come down to a simple definition, uh to make disciples is to make obedient, loving followers of Jesus. Right. And when you and I think all aspects of that definition are important. Obedience is like a super important thing. If you look at the Great Commission in Matthew 28, Jesus says, go and teach them the commands, all the commands that I've taught to you. Like that's part of this disciple, this yeah. disciple making process is his commands. And that often gets downplayed or forgotten. We, we will overemphasize things like be sure to read your Bible and underemphasize things like be a merciful person or be a courageous person or be a missional person. Yeah, which I think we still need to emphasize reading the Bible. Of course, of course, of without, course. Without, without lacking the other. the other things. Right. So uh, especially with the statistics which we've shared in the past on these people who read their Bible more are more overcoming oh, yeah. sin. Uh, and uh, it even relates to this. They are... 200%, 200 times more likely to go share the gospel with the lost and to go make disciples. Right. Absolutely. So, I'm, I'm not downplaying the importance oh, yeah. of God's word at all. I'm just saying I think we've missed one. I agree. Yeah. I think uh, so obedient, loving. Um, why loving? Because Jesus said what's most important is to love God and love others. And really what he said was the one who loves me obeys my commands. Right. So if you really love Jesus, you obey him. Right. It's this relational thing. <clears throat> yeah. Obedi obedience uh, for many has become this uh, kind of like, well, I have to do the right thing or God's going to punish me or this kind of mm -hmm. like really obedience 
at at its core is relational. Yep. I obey Jesus because I love him, which makes all the difference. The the mentality of obedience when it's out of love versus out of fear or out of respect or whatever, it makes a really big difference, I think. I, I think our obedience to God should be also out of fear and respect. Of course. But, but yeah. <laughs> not out of legalism, like out of, uh, not out of uh, lack of desire, duty, like, oh, I have to do this and it sucks and I don't really like this or right. anything about it. And when I say fear, I more mean like a, like this kind of yeah. karmic fear that yeah. people experience where it's like, well, if I don't do something good, then God's for sure going to hurt me. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so followers of Jesus, obviously, he's the one we're pointing people toward. And this has to be done among all nations, all people groups, ethnic People groups, you could. I I like to describe that as all tribes because uh, nations in the Bible, most of the time in the original languages, it doesn't mean nations as we see them today. Because well, the nations today were different a hundred years ago, and they were different three hundred years. So which yeah, nation? It, it it means a group of people with the same language and culture. Right, and so there might be multiple tribes within yes. a single nation. So for example. Tanzania has like 600 tribes or something. Maybe that's over. Maybe 30 tribes or 60 tribes. I can't remember. There was a six in that number somewhere. A lot of tribes. There's a lot. Uh, You could talk about North America. How many Native American tribes have come out of North America? Yeah. A lot. Yeah. All of those would be considered a biblical nation. Each Each one of them. So God is not saying reach North America, reach Mexico, although that's not bad. We should. He's saying go reach each of those people groups within these places. Right. And so when we talk about disciple making, go make disciples, um, I think it's so much bigger than meeting with somebody for coffee once a week to read the Bible for the rest of your life. Are you against people meeting for coffee? Absolutely not. All right. No, I think it's a good practice. Yeah. I think we should do it. And I think it's better than nothing. Right. And I think we should grow in God's word, but I don't think it's disciple making. Okay. I think it's wise counsel. I think it's studying God's word together, growing together. Um, I think it could be part of disciple making or discipleship. Yeah. I think it could be a piece of it, but it can't stop there. Absolutely. I think it maybe begins there. Um, so uh, go make followers of Jesus, loving, obedient followers of Jesus. Um, this includes reaching the lost. So again, this is why I think it's important. Disciple making has this edge to it. Whereas if we only say discipleship, sometimes it means I find somebody in my church and I mentor them and that happens the rest of my life. Right. And I never reach the lost. We just keep, uh, for lack of a better term, inbreeding. Um, like, I mean, it's not a terrible <laughs> illustration. Like, We just keep it, choosing from the same pond. Right. Exactly. That. I mean, that's a great observation because, yeah, it's exactly what you're saying. We spend all our time trying to make mature believers within the body of Christ, and then we're somehow forgetting the whole rest of the world. Yeah. 3.28 billion people on planet Earth have limited or no access to the gospel. 3.28 billion. If you tried to preach to 100,000 people a week, it would take you 620 years to reach 3.28 billion people. 620 years. If you do disciple-making or discipleship rightly— you could reach all those much quicker, I right. think. So there's this great story uh, of this. Imagine this. There was this this movement that overtook naval ships. 
uh, so much so that the FBI did an investigation. They thought, is there some cult that's infiltrating the Navy? We need to investigate this. This is not good. Why did they do this? Because uh, over a thousand ships started to have complete culture change. Hmm. Uh, they, the soldiers, the sailors weren't living like they used to live. They weren't going out and partying. They weren't sleeping around. They didn't have these kind of problems anymore. They were radically changed. And the FBI said, something's wrong. Like, we better investigate this. And they did this investigation. And so they started with one guy and they're like, who trained you? He's like, oh, this guy trained me. Okay. So they went to that guy. Who trained you? Oh, well, this guy trained me. And it bounced all around from ship to ship, person to person. It took them six months, the FBI, six months to finally find the person who launched this. And it was Dawson Trotman who started this ministry called The Navigators, uh, launched this movement that radically changed the military, reaching people for Christ. And what was his method? It was 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Paul says, well, Timothy, hey, listen to me. What you've heard me say in the presence of many reliable witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Uh, he said, I'm going to go find someone, win them to Jesus so that they get saved, and then I'm going to train them up as a disciple, a follower who lovingly obeys Jesus, and then send them to do the same immediately. Mm -hmm. And then I'll do a new person, and they'll do somebody. And we keep multiplying in this way. Um that's the way to reach the whole world, and I think that's the way to make disciples because I think there's also this thought that almost like, well, I can never really arrive as a disciple. Like, mm -hmm. I'll never be there. I need to be trained and discipled my whole life. Now, let me create a nuance there. I'm not saying that, yes, you're going to be perfect and you're never going to sin again. You're never going to have an evil thought. Sure. But I think we have to separate disciple-making and discipleship from uh, maturing and fighting sin sure. and spiritual growth. All right. So w you just threw out so many things. I know. That's let, so we can let, discuss them. Yeah. Let's. <laughs> I'm not against you throwing out things, but let's just review really quickly. All right. So we observe a problem in the way that we are doing discipleship, we believe that there's something missing from how the at least the Western church, but many places around the world, I imagine, are doing discipleship. And the reason we believe that is because you just have to take one look at the church today and take note of how many people are not really following Jesus and take note of how many young people are just deserting the church altogether and obviously something wrong is happening take so, take any person in the church gathering and say when's the last time you want a lost person to christ and okay okay i get it not everybody has the spiritual gift of evangelism let's let's take it a step you're, back you're interrupting when, my summary man. when's the last time <laughs> no it's just saying it's yeah. like when's the last time not only did you win someone to jesus but how about just shared with somebody yeah and, and this is the reason that you're bringing that up as a as a cornerstone or as like a, I don't know, like a, a litmus test, it, like a litmus test yeah. of obedience is because ultimately making this or sharing the good news of Jesus with other people is a foundational to what it means to be a Christian. We see it all over the book of Acts. Yeah. We see it in Jesus's commands. It's foundational. Ultimately, God's heart for all people everywhere to know him is on every page of the Bible. So that's why you're choosing that as a right and test. and to add in with what you're saying like it's not happening right go test a church go test a group of people it's not happening all right so <clears throat> what and then we're also saying well what are we doing for discipleship so like 
what is it that's wrong with what we're doing? And we're taking an observation and we're saying, well, there's this mentality of let's meet up with somebody inside the church and let's meet together, have coffee, talk about sin, read the Bible and do that week after week after week after week. Maybe the rest of my life. Maybe the rest of your life. And And we're saying, well, there's a couple of things wrong with that. Number one, it's missing like a big chunk of what it means to follow Jesus. Reading the Bible is very, 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 very important, but it's not the fullness of what it means to follow Jesus. You also need to do things like love your neighbor and feed the hungry and clothe the naked and share the message of Jesus with people in other places all around the world. So that's part of the problem with it. And the second problem with it is what you're saying is this ongoing continual dependence on somebody else. Like it, it's a it's a mentality that says I can never fully be discipled. I must always be being discipled yes. by somebody. Yes. And we have a problem with that. I do, which we should get into because that's important. Okay. And before so, we do. So that's the fullness of what we've discussed so yeah, far. Yeah. Uh, before we dive into can we ever arrive yeah. as a disciple? Like, can I finish being trained or am I for the rest of my life bound to always becoming a disciple. Mm-hmm. Um, let me add this. Your coffee meetings are not bad. I think you should do them. Let let us give a few tips when you actually do them. Um, if they result in some of the things we're talking about on the positive side, that's a good thing. That might be mission fulfillment. So when you meet and read the scripture, let's talk about, okay, what does it say? But then take it a step further. What is God speaking to you and what are you going to do to obey Jesus this week as a result? Right. So an uh, <clears throat> easy way to remember that is head, heart, hands. So yeah. what does it say? Is your head like intellectually understand what the text is saying? What does it mean? Heart. No, that's that's, that's also a plot. Sorry. What like <laughs> heart is what is God saying to me? in it? Right. Like yeah. how how is this apply to my life? My my bad. My no, miscommunication. And then hands, what am I going to do as a result of this this week? And then you could add in your feet and say, hey, who am I going to tell? Yeah, Um, because there might be something God taught you and it always is for us, but not only for us. God wants to work in our lives to reach everyone around us. So the long story short, though, is we often stop at head or head heart. We maybe get to heart. Right. Well, let's be honest. Um, I don't know why it is. Maybe it's because it's tougher for men. I'm not sure. But as men, we like the head section. Like, <laughs> like we love to talk about what it means. Right. Like, hey, well, it means this, it means that. Like, and we never take it further. Yeah. So um, the women often will take it further and say, I really believe God is saying this to me and I feel moved by this sure. and it's impacted me. Hardly ever do I see anybody saying, and here's how I'm going to obey Jesus this week. Right. Almost never, I would dare say. And I wonder if men, if we could just it, 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 get to that portion because we're such doers. Yeah. Like, man, a wild movement might happen. Yeah. I mean, it's true. <clears throat> and ultimately, that's what the word, that's what makes the word of God potent is not just reading it, but living it. Be hearers of, be not just hearers of the word, but doers also. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, can we ever fully arrive as a disciple? I think uh, the answer is a simple yes, of course. Although I don't think it's that simple because otherwise everybody would have already thought that. Well, but here's the thing. 
I think that it's a cultural mentality of like, well, I need to be humble. And to say that I can arrive at something spiritually speaking is to say that I'm no longer going to grow after that. And I don't think that's what we're saying. I think we're defining the end of discipleship as the end or the end of personal, like someone pouring into you as the end of a period of time where you're getting trained in the basics of what it means to follow Jesus. And then after that, yeah, you can still keep learning and growing and maturing. You get better. And even becoming more holy. Like, of course, all of those things. But do we call continual maturing discipleship? See, that's where I say I think there's a line of difference between the two. So uh, Ephesians 4 is interesting. Jesus gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So, i.e., you could say church leaders. Yep. Uh, he gave them to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, the everyday believer. And then it continues so that each one is grown into a maturity and dot, 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 dot. They keep growing. Yeah. Um, so we are to be doing the work of the ministry as everyday believers. We're the ones to be out impacting, serving, and loving people. Mm. And the church leaders are there to equip us to do that. And so we could be fully equipped to do that. Of course. Like to actually go and do the ministry. We're fully equipped. We could be. And yet at the same time, we'll keep growing into maturity mm. as an ongoing process. So I think it's a both and um, that w- you'll keep growing into maturity and you can fully arrive as be- you've become a disciple. Right. You can fully arrive. And we're, when we say fully arrive, as you already mentioned like 10 minutes ago, it we're not saying you'll be perfect. We're not talking about sin we're, yeah, right now. We're, we're not. Yeah. We're talking like you can be equipped with all of the basic training of what it means to follow Jesus and then go live it out. There's a great verse that I I need to look up and find uh, that actually relates to this. Um, But while I'm looking that up, uh, there's this great quote by Nick Ripkin. Um, He's a missiologist, spent much of his life uh, reaching people in Africa and Somalia specifically, and then traveled around the world to interview persecuted believers and see how they thrive in the places of persecution and suffering. Um, so really intriguing guy, uh, but he had this quote that I heard him say once. Um, he said, if you really want to go and make disciples, like you can't separate evangelism and discipleship. Mm. He thought they were one and the same. Mm. Um, to evangelize is to make disciples of the lost. Mm. Uh, to make disciples is to reach the lost and train them to follow Jesus. Like you don't separate the two. Right. So here's here's what we <clears throat> see in the Western mentality, right? We see that we're like, all right, so we're going to go evangelize and we're going to share the good news of Jesus with other people. And we're going to get them to, you know, pray a prayer or be baptized or whatever in your tradition. Um, we're going to get them to, to pray this prayer and then they're going to become a Christian. And after they become a Christian, we're going to let them sit in the church for a while. And then we're going to let them be discipled by somebody. And then we're going to like, call them to obedience. Like it's, it's like a separated steps. Right. And evangelism is different from discipleship because we have this model. Right. It's different from sanctification is different from this is different from that. Like there's this mentality of this is the next step and the next right. step and the next step. But in reality, the picture that we get in the new Testament and, and what Nick, Nick Ripkin is pointing to in this quote is that these things are one and the same. They go together. You, you can't make them step after step after step. Right. So what he said that really compelled me, he's like, you want to disciple somebody? Take them to be face-to-face with the lost. 
and let them see Jesus at work in that person's life. Mm. That's discipleship. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's a powerful picture. And it's true. Yeah. I've seen it happen when we've taken people to be face to face with the dark, lost world and see Jesus at work. Something happens in their life. Right. They catch a vision. Well, Jesus suddenly becomes oh so real. Yeah. I mean, he's not just like this guy who we read about in a book. Like he's actively at work in the lives of the people who are standing right in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. And they realize they need Jesus to show up because they don't have what it takes. I always like to say, if you want to jumpstart your spiritual growth, the best way is mission. Mm. The best way is to go reach the lost and make disciples and invest in somebody's life uh, because you're going to realize you don't have what it takes and he does. Mm. You need to depend and get closer on to him, closer to him, depend on him um, and keep growing. Like you don't have the answers they're seeking. Man, I better go study up and learn and grow. And let that impact my life, and then I'll have that to offer to them as well. The best way to jumpstart spiritual growth is mission. Well, take note of what Jesus did with the disciples. That's it. There was no, no, like, mud brick building that they all met in in ancient Palestine. You know, like, that's just not what they did. Like, Jesus went from place to place preaching the good news of the kingdom. And and as he did, he brought along these 12 dudes and a bunch of other people, and they all watched as Jesus did all these crazy, amazing things and their jaws dropped and they were amazed and they praised God. And I mean, you read that after every single miracle. So he did teach them and he taught them along the way. And I imagine that one of the reasons that we see so many parables and many of those parables are things that you would see in everyday life. Like you, like in Luke 15, when he's talking about the parable of the lost sheep, I can, I can imagine, you know, I don't know where he was standing, but I can imagine that they were looking at a bunch of sheep. Certainly they had seen sheep. Yeah. Oh, they, <laughs> I bet they had seen sheep that day. Yeah. Like the <clears throat> sheep and goats, if you ever go, travel around the third world, man, sheep They're and everywhere. goats are everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, check out this verse. Here is where I get the confidence to say that you can arrive as a disciple. Yeah. Um, we didn't just make this up and you have just, some new you, theology to tell you and become just... <laughs> heretics. Uh, Luke 640 says, um, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Mm. A disciple will be like his teacher when he's fully trained is what this just says. So there it is. You mm. can be fully trained as a disciple, fully equipped, fully ready. Yep. to go out and do what you were trained to do. Um, now, here's a nice caveat, which we may have mentioned this a long time ago on the podcast, uh, referring to a book that really revolutionized a bit of our thinking on discipleship, and that's Discipled by Jesus by Robert Gelinas. Mm. Um, great book. Uh, he talks about the context of the Jewish paradigm that helps us understand this passage, and that is... When a rabbi or a Jewish teacher, um, he, he, had his, he had disciples or students, followers. Uh, and when he died, those students or followers would go out and become the teachers and get their own followers and students. But while he was still alive, they would go and invite people to learn from their teacher, from mm-hmm. their rabbi. They would enroll people in their school, so to speak. Um, and Robert Gelinas tells us that this word make disciples 
is more of a like a disciple eyes in the Greek. Like go discipleize all of the nations, all of the people of the world. Like go enroll them to learn from Jesus himself. Yep. Jesus is still alive. He's not dead. Like right. we're living like he's dead. So he says actually we're to point people to Jesus, like to learn directly from him. Yep. The red letters continue, Robert Jelinas says. Like they didn't end. He's still speaking. He's still working. He's still changing lives. Yep. And so what does that look like? Well, yes, we teach them to obey his commands as it was clearly put in the Great Commission. Like what does that mean? We teach people to love Jesus more. So uh, that is what we do. So if you're like, okay, so what do I do now? Like, yeah, go win the lost to Christ. Share your story with them like we've talked about before. And then start to train them to love Jesus. Uh how do I love him more? What does that look like in your life? Yeah, you read the Bible together, but then move to how will you obey him this week as a result and uh, bring other people along to see God at work and do the same and, and send them to do the same to multiply. And hey, this is a good thought too. There's actually a reason uh, uh, we found all over the world, um, all over the church, everywhere, people want to make disciples or think they should make disciples, but then they walk out of the doors and go, they may even say, I'm going to do it. And then they walk out of the church doors, go home and go, uh-oh, now what? Mm. What next? I don't know what to do. And so we actually created a tool called Multiplying Movements, a discipleship tool for everyday followers of Jesus. So how do you make disciples? Like we created a practical pathway, a 12-lesson tool so that you can go and use that. And it sets the foundation to train others to become disciples of Christ, to become laborers for the kingdom, to make an impact. And so if you're like, hey, how do I do this? We highly recommend the tool, multiplyingmovements.com. Uh, you can check it out. And uh, that's why we created it, is to to fill this need that we were seeing everywhere, the practicality and uh, some of the methods and, and uh, things that are included in this tool were pulled from the best disciple-making missions resources all over the world and uh, edited and put into one um, along with, uh, concepts that God really burned on our heart that we're seeing worldwide. Absolutely. Yeah, check it out. You can find it on the theforgeapp.com. Uh, multiplyingmovements.com will take you to Multiplying Movements. The Forgeapp uh, is where Multiplying Movements is hosted, so to speak. So uh, download the Forgeapp. It's right there at the top of the Forgeapp. Yep. Um, and it's uh, $10, but hey, if if that's a problem, just shoot us a message at fuelfortheharvest at gmail.com yep. and we'll put it in your hands for free. So, <laughs> uh, Here's another scripture um, that I wanted to share. So just to do away with that, you can't become a disciple fully trained or that it takes years of your life. Check out Acts chapter 14, uh, verse 21. Paul and Barnabas were traveling around preaching on their first missionary journey. They were just sent out on Acts chapter 13. And it says this, When they preached the gospel to that city, being Derby, and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. So it literally says they went to this place, Derby, preached the gospel, and made many disciples. And then they left. Yeah, we... They weren't having coffee once a week for the rest of their lives with these dudes. Right. It was done. It says the disciples were made. Right. The, in Derby, according for Paul's life, the Great Commission was fulfilled. Right. He did his job and he left and he went to do his job in a new place. Um, now, you might be saying, well, how long did he stay there? We don't know for sure, but we do know. The whole of his first missionary yeah. journey was less than a year. 
10 months at most, yeah. eight to 10 months. So, and he spent considerable amounts of time in other locations along the way. So you could say at most. Well, I mean, we couldn't we're say, estimating. I mean, let's say, let's say. Like a, maybe a couple of weeks, like. Well. Or a I, month or two. Or, yeah. Or, like, I mean. But at most, at most, you could say five months, maybe. And I think that's an extreme overestimation of how much time they spent there. Right. So, man, how many months does it take us when we consider our prior versions of discipleship? How many years? Sure. And we're saying we still haven't become disciples. Yeah. So just in like one minute, let's throw out like cornerstones of how you can know if you're a mature disciple. So here's, here, here's how, how, how you, you become a disciple. Or no, how, how you can know that, hey, I'm probably done being trained and I can okay. just go and do it. So not we're not talking about simply spiritual maturity and growth. We're talking about I've become a disciple. Right. So what are some trademarks of a disciple of Jesus? Well, the word disciple means student or learner. Sure. So if you're already know if you already know how to learn from Jesus himself, that might be a, a factor. Yeah. I think that everyday obedience to Jesus yeah. is a great indicator. <clears throat> I think that the fruit of the spirit yep. in your life observable in your life is a great indicator. You know how to love God more mm. practically. Yeah. I know how to seek him. I know how to spend time with him. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. Yeah. You know how to do that. When it comes to obeying Jesus's commands, it's a, of course, Jesus, I love you. Yeah. Not a, oh, I can't believe you asked me to do this. You know how to love others and share the good news with them. Yeah. You know how. When Jesus trained his 12, they knew how when they went out for the Great Commission. Your Christianity does not have an on-off switch. So you aren't a Christian sometime during the week and not a Christian other times during yep. the week. Your your Christianity is always on. Yep. 100, 24-7, 365, 100% of the time. Yep. 110% maybe. Yep. Even when we're sleeping. Yep. <laughs> so I think those are good markers. Um, you're passionate about Jesus. You love him. You love others. Uh, you know how to win the lost and how to make disciples, how to invest in others' lives to multiply. And you have that vision to not only do it yourself, but raise up others to do the same. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for joining this latest episode of Fuel for the Harvest. Don't forget to check out Multiplying Movements at multiplyingmovements.com or you can find it on the Forge app at theforgeapp.com. And uh, we'll see you guys later. Hope you have a great rest of your day. God bless.